0: What's going on guys? My name is Tony Curtis. I am one half of the Bra Meets World hosting council just wanted to hop on here to give you guys a a few updates about our podcast um the last few weeks have been a little crazy (laughs) so first and foremost thank you guys for your support thank you guys for just being there with us as as we're trying to figure this out um you know we had to take a few weeks off to focus on our jobs outside of the podcast um but we appreciate you guys being patient um you know we're, we're trying some new things this season switching to a video podcast and it's definitely been like a learning opportunity for us um you know the, some things have definitely been complicated so you know we're, we're growing and we're learning and we appreciate you guys you know hanging in there with us while we work out the kinks and as we try to grow our podcast so, so yes we've been a little off but don't worry because the next few episodes are gonna be so good you guys like we're discussing some of the most memorable episodes of the series, and we have some great guests included in these episodes, including in this episode. Um, we teamed up with the ladies from the Melanin Marvels to discuss uh, the introduction of Sean and Angela's relationship to the, the Boy Meets World universe. You know, this was originally released as a two-parter, the Sean and Angela episode. You had Dear Donna Karen, which was the first part. And then you had Chasing Angela, which was the second part. And um, we were very ambitious. We wanted to try to cover both of these episodes in a single podcast. But guys, you know us, we, we get into it. The conversation just started flowing and it ended up being a pretty long conversation. So we're, we're deciding now to, to cut it into two episodes, which is why I'm on here. Uh, we're doing things a little bit different just because we're, we're cutting it up in post. So I'm on here just to let you guys know what's up. Um, this have kind of an abrupt ending. I'm gonna hop back on and, and, and close it out, but um, yeah, if you notice that things are a little different, that's that's the reason why. So, I'm not gonna waste any more time. Me and Siege are gonna be talking with the Melon and Marbles about Dear Donna Karen, the introduction of Sean and Angela. Yeah, stay tuned. In
1: And welcome to Bra Meets World. When it's Bra Meets World, your boy Meets World fan cast. I am Siege, and I am Tony coitus What is going this on, guys? Is episode ninety-seven. Um, we have. An announcement to make well we have a few announcements to make one as always to thank you guys for listening to us on tiktok instagram getting back we are really enjoying the camaraderie we're enjoying the dialogue and uh you guys have been submitting us questions that we have to get back to you and answer but before we do that we have a very special episode um we are going to do a two-parter so two episodes in one and while we're doing that we have very special guests Um, That would like to join us, and we'll let them introduce themselves.
2: I'm Anika. I'm Divi and we are both hosts from the podcast, The Melon and Marvels. Um, just uh, so everybody kind of knows what our podcast is about. Um, we mostly focus on BIPOC superheroes, um, all the different projects that are coming out now, um, projects from the past. Um, so check us out, we're on Instagram. Uh, we also uh, have it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Anika google podcast <laughs> google podcast i'm not good we're with media, social media stuff apple. but
1: <laughs> apple will get you done like like it, it's good when you got apple as well not that we don't love our spotify listeners you guys keep us down so we appreciate it <laughs> um, so what is the relationship that the two of you have with boy meets world if we may ask
3: so when i was a child and i'd turn on well we don't have Disney Channel in Canada. It was Family Channel, and <laughs> we turn it on, and I'd be watching. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, I felt like I grew up with um, what's his name, Sean and Corey. Corey, yes. <laughs> I, I'm I'm bad with names. You're good. <laughs> but yes, and then I yeah I just I just felt like I grew up with them. I haven't really watched Girl Meets World can't lie
1: we have some mixed feelings about that i've watched i can it. imagine and i like, am
0: he siege is a girl meets world apologist i am i not. am i am <laughs> like, it, it didn't it didn't satisfy anything for me and i didn't stick with it
3: <laughs> but yeah and then like i really liked when angela came in because i as a little girl it's like representation Yes. Is so great yes absolutely <laughs>
1: uh Divi.
3: Okay, to be
2: honest, I did not watch Boy Meets World at all when I was younger, and I don't know why. It was not, I don't, I don't, I just, I just didn't watch any of it. And I honestly think I, I kind of tried to watch it when Girl Meets World, like was a thing, because I was like, okay, hey, like maybe I should, everyone's talking about this. Um, my, my brothers did watch it a lot though, so that's, that's what it is for me.
1: No, absolutely. So I think it's interesting because, um, I I mean, clearly we watched it growing up. Part of this whole thing was like revisiting it for us and how influential it was. But I think that um, what I've learned as time has gone on is it's been interesting to see what like stayed with our generation and then like the different TV shows that other people gravitated towards. You know, we gravitated towards Boy Meets World, but then there are podcasts that are all about other things like superheroes or comic books and it's like everyone had their own thing you know
0: also I love hearing thoughts about the show from people who aren't super fans of it or who don't have a great understanding of the world because you guys are just watching this as like episodes and I love that it's like you don't have like You know, a lot of times when we approach, especially a bad episode, me and CJ will like make a lot of excuses for and be like, oh, well, they did this really good last week. But like you guys don't have any of that. So I I love that we're just talking about this specific um, two parter. And like you said, what a great two parter. The introduction of Angela to the series. We finally have some representation on the show. um, And I'm I'm really excited to get into it. So um, I don't know. Should we just go into the tell me about it? Absolutely. Uh, for our episode, we're going to start off with
1: episode um, seven, season five, episode seven. I'm going to hold TC as best as I can, audience, to stay with episode seven.
0: Yeah, we're so, going to do one episode at a time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> season five, episode seven. Uh, I love the I love you, Donna Karen. Um, but before we do that, TC, do you have a tell me about it?
0: I do. I do. <laughs> Tell me about it, Sean and Angela are here at last, Sean ends it after two weeks, but after finding a purse, his interest has peaked.
1: Okay, so again, was
0: that on the spot or was that like something? That was beautiful. Brief notes, but yes, guys. I just I should have told you I do sing a segment of Billy Joel's "Tell Her About It" about each episode. I don't know when this started, but we're on like season five now, so you can imagine the years that we've been doing this. And random stuff has just popped up. This has been one of them. I don't have one for both episodes. That's that should (laughs) basically get us through this this two parter.
1: okay uh sean's steadfast rule of dating girls only for a fixed two weeks period leads him to break up with angela then he finds himself falling in love with the other sorry with the owner of a lost purse since the contents indicate that she is the girl of his dreams meanwhile eric studies for a test with the help of an invisible mr feeney while jack wonders about eric's sanity to be continued um yeah so we do this thing called um first thoughts right after that uh Divya and Anika give us your first thoughts on this episode
3: Sean and Angela are meant for each other because they're going through some things the same way
2: <laughs> yeah I think even as someone like who didn't really watch the show and I like you know obviously watched these two episodes I, I agree, like they're cute together. They have like you know they're kids, but they have that like cute little chemistry. It's nice.
0: They have a ton of chemist on-screen chemistry. And you're right, like their traumas are identical. So I, I don't know if that's what you picked <laughs> up on, but like Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming from, you know, people who have been watching every episode of the show, we've seen Sean deal with commitment issues. We've seen his, his parents' marriage kind of have a bunch of issues. It makes sense for him to have issues with commitment and like fully giving himself over to a relationship. So it was really interesting to see that kind of character arc from him in this episode.
1: So what I thought was really interesting is we open up and like I was surprised because we open up at the end of their two weeks and they're like well it's been a good two weeks and I was like did I miss something like I like went back and I was like like what happened and they were like no and I was like actually that's a really smart decision because if Sean has a two week and if anything I kind of feel like this was the show being a little self-referential where it's like you know sitcoms you always have that relationship that They're there for like an episode or two, then you never see them again. So, by opening up this episode and being like, hey, it's the end of our two weeks, it's the end of the relationship. I guess we go our separate ways. It's like, no, you already, we already had that like lighthearted time, That, that date of the week moment has already come and gone. Now, this will be different. And I thought that that was like a nice way of them to introduce it.
0: Well, I will say something is that, um, you know, Topanga really criticizes Sean over his two week rule and says it's dumb. And then Corey corrects her and says, no, no, no. The one week rule was dumb. The two week (laughs) rule shows growth. And I do love that we're just like, hey, don't. Don't come down too hard on my man. He's progressing and growing on his own time and his own pace. And this is progress for him. And we should actually commend him for that instead of, you know, being critical of it. I just thought that was a a good friend moment.
2: Yeah, when I watched it too, like the beginning of the episode, I was like, because I watched... Like from the beginning of season five. So I could like, you know, be like, okay, hey, this needs to be grounded in something. <laughs> so then I was on episode six, then I went to episode seven. and I was like, did I, did I miss something? Am I watching this wrong? I was really confused. But you're right. Like I think I think they did that well because like the lightheartedness of the dating that wasn't showed. But then I think it's still because they referenced it, it set it up for like kind of like a tough conversation for these kids to to decide upon commitment
0: and i love that angela just wasn't heartbroken over sean <laughs> at all sean was just like waiting for tears and for this whole show and she's like i'm good what's up <laughs> you, you, you you done with this i gotta go i got plans i got other dudes to date so peace
3: <laughs> she's on the same like wavelength as him like okay two weeks is over next
1: yeah, yeah, right. It was a thank you next type situation. And Sean was like, you're taking this so well. And she was like, What else? Like, like, what else am I supposed to do? You're just we agreed a dude. Like- <laughs> this.
2: <laughs> Go for her, honestly.
1: Go for her. <laughs> I thought that this episode brought up a really interesting idea of you know, Sean, he was like, Um, this purse girl is making me rethink the way I thought about um dating and the idea that. Sean gets to know her through her belongings, not through actually dating her for two weeks, but like- Thank you. <laughs> it is- that was my
0: biggest issue. These two dated for two whole weeks and apparently had zero conversations with each other. Sean's like, this girl plays guitar. This girl likes Van Damme movies and classical music. It's like, did you not talk to Angela about anything? Did you, did you guys not even make out that you don't even recognize the lip gloss that she uses? Come on, bruh. He goes through a lot of lip gloss. Oh, man. It was the lip gloss specifically that they kept bringing up as like Topanga noticed it as soon as Corey had it. And so I was like, oh, so this lip gloss is something that Sean would have noticed if he kissed Angela. Just, I don't know. I
2: feel like even if they didn't make out, like you would smell the lip gloss, would you not?
0: Yeah, it's like they had to like we've seen Sean on dates where they he only makes out, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe he only made out with Angela. And so like they didn't get to talk about favorite music or favorite movies, although all that shit seems like basic first date conversations.
3: Corey was like putting it on himself. But yeah. I bet you if it was Corey's lip gloss, Sean would Sean would, would know.
0: Oh <laughs> good point. They've been together for 15 years. That's the strongest committed relationship Sean's ever had.
1: I did really enjoy that part. Like usually we we talk about like the dynamic and uh, this is like one of the earliest examples, especially I'll say in, in our lives of like the bromance of like two men who are comfortable being around each other. It's platonic, but also there's this intimacy there. And the idea of being like, like also for me, it, it raises friendship to the equal level of a relationship, which is really important. And the idea of like, what are you talking about? I have commitment issues. I've been with Corey for 15 years. And what's even great is he was like, yeah, you put in the work for that. Yeah. And, that easy. and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm like that. It's not like they were like, oh, we've just been friends. We've been hanging out. I was like, no, this was work. We had things to work through.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, you bring up a great point about how, you know, Sean was dating for two weeks and didn't get to know Angela at all. But it's not, too, it's not until he's able to rummage through her personal belongings that he realizes there's things he likes about her. And I was like, ain't this nothing different than just going through someone's social media and like going through and finding all the things that you like about a person before you even meet them and like projecting all your ideas of what that person is like before you actually get to match it with reality. To me, it just seemed like a, like something I was like, oh, I'd never do that. And I was like, no, I've I've definitely done versions of this.
3: He basically did everything backwards because you usually do that before the date and he was two weeks. Well in. he didn't have
2: access to her purse before anything. Yeah.
3: Two <laughs> weeks? He didn't have access to her purse for those two weeks.
1: Wait, what so are you... you are you like condoning rummaging through a woman's
3: <laughs> <No>.
2: purse
1: <laughs> before I her birthday?
3: Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, like, you have to do what you have to do. How else would you, don't, How else you, you know? have to. You have to, to be slick with things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I want to say about the purse is um, Corey makes a, a comment where he's like, oh, they find the purse, and Sean's like, whose purse is this? And Corey's like, I'm not going through that purse. I went through my mother's purse once, and I can't look her in the eyes. What did he find in Amy's purse that scarred him?
3: Something that vibrates, like, I... probably. <laughs> <laughs> Something that
0: vibrates, probably. <laughs> Can't look her in the eyes after that.
1: <laughs> I was like, this feels like a 90s answer of women's yeah. things are icky. And I saw a tampon and I had to go to therapy for two weeks. And it's like, get over yourself. Um,
0: but- tampon. Yeah, it was probably a tampon. You're right. It was probably Not period fear. If you
1: did find something that vibrates, it would be, it would be hard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: amy's getting it we've talked about this before amy and alan get it in like they don't talk about it very much but a few seasons ago they were kind of all into their sexcapades and they they have some so good for them
2: i'm gonna be honest once i found a condom in my stepmom's purse because i was looking for something like i needed something like and she was like oh it's in my purse and, then I, and I was like this i didn't i didn't i never have honestly never talked about it just up until now but <laughs>
0: we unlocked a memory for you wow we unlocked trauma <laughs> well at least she's being safe like you know I mean, commendable yeah there you go. like as a kid it's like what and now it's like do you mom you got a condom you safe
2: oh my, god. oh my god
0: it's really interesting um how Sean is like going through the purse and you know he's kind of like saying like oh like poetry and Shakespeare and I'm like have you, is this your first time reading Shakespeare? Is this your first time hearing classical music? Because it was interesting that, like, Shakespeare, it, I know you guys probably don't know this, but like, on episode, the pilot episode of this whole series is all about Shakespeare. Feeney brings up Shakespeare all the time to these kids. And yet, Sean is just like, wow, a woman like Shakespeare? Hold on, I think I can get on board with this. <laughs>
2: Well, but that's what it is. He's not going to, listen, Feeney can talk about Shakespeare forever. And Sean's going to the minute a girl is like, here you go.
0: I thought this
1: episode and the next episode did a really good job at bringing almost adult topics. As a matter of fact, I watched both being like, this is good advice for like 30 year olds. Of so being like, hey, more information about a person does not necessarily mean that they are your soulmate. Um, or sorry, their objects in common interest doesn't necessarily mean that they're your soulmate. What really bonds is getting to know that person. And Sean feels like he has known a person before or he feels like by going through her things and seeing the interest, he even says, I didn't know that I would like classical music but now that this person likes it i'm open to it and it was it's something about like it not being real that allows him to be open to the possibility of being in a relationship
0: he also does the the naive high school thing that i feel like everyone has to learn to grow out of which is having things in common doesn't necessarily mean compatibility people can like the same bullshit movies as you they can like the same music as you like and you can still have a really hard time resolving conflict or you know just going through the ups and downs of relationships so I, I i mean i do understand why sean is like has this urge to like meet this person he finds an interest in but for him to like say like i got my heart crushed you know by this expectation it, the reason why is because he was in a delusional state and he like was holding on to his delusion and he was afraid to lose his delusion which is why he really didn't want to go meet the, the purse owner he wanted to like live in this fantasy where like there's this imaginary woman who's perfect for me out there and and I feel like as, as like much as I'm like, oh, that's not really healthy. God, if I haven't done the same shit, like over and over and over again. So like, I guess my question is for you guys, like, have you, w- when have you, when can you remember being Sean? When can you remember finding out like a few things about a person and trying to pursue a relationship and it just not working out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. two Two things. I think finding out a few things about a person and then like in your mind then yeah. making this like scenario that now everything's going to be perfect you probably not even really interacted with this person but somehow they are perfect and this is this is gonna be something and then also you know you're finding out a few things you think that's enough for like a full relationship and it just going yeah. terribly terribly long wrong but you hold on because you're like but no it was perfect in my head
3: it, it would be one of the two things either you make something out to be something that it's not or you let somebody get away with a lot more than because mm. mm. like you're not you don't know your own worth or you like if it was a friend you would tell your friend like that doesn't slide like you have to let him go but for yourself it's like hmm i think i can I'll just give him one more chance. One more chance.
1: <laughs> that's so that true because you guys have uh, experience of that. <laughs> like, like, like and, and again, that's like I think we've all been there, especially with dating, as you were saying. This idea of um, I used to do um, the romanticizing someone's potential. Oh, it's yeah. Like, oh, if you actually ever get your stuff together, man, will you be a great boyfriend? And they're like. We're like not dating. <laughs> and I was like, oh my bad. So I was like you know, it's like this idea of yeah, you know, really putting it all on the other person and not assessing, as uh, Anika was saying, either your own self worth or um, what that person's actually telling you in the moment.
0: It's crazy because um, you know Sean is finding all these things that he l- like is loving about this girl. Yet he was with her for two whole weeks and didn't see it. And I thought the psychology of like. You know, so both uh, him and Angela have this like deep fear of commitment. So the idea that something seems perfect when he's not like looking in the eyes of like all of the trauma he has to overcome and, you know, not being faced with that harsh reality of like being in a relationship when he can just be in love, which is just a fat infatuation, by the way, the whole two part episode is Corey encouraging infatuation and saying, no, that's love. When really there is a distinct difference between the two, um, it, maybe that's more of a second episode talk. I apologize. You called me. I, I went ahead. Um, <laughs> but it, it did just seem odd. Uh, well, not really odd. I guess it makes sense when you consider that both of them had this fear of commitment that maybe they didn't dive too deep on their relationships on their, uh, during their one-on-one dates. Maybe they kept it really surface level. And it wasn't until afterwards when they weren't trying to impress the other person that they were able to kind of see each other a little bit more clearly.
2: That like period when he has the purse and he's like, He's in love with her. Like, I think that's like a very teenager thing to do. You want to remain in like this nice like period where you think you're like in love with someone. And so you'd rather be in that than actually go and talk to them about it. Because this is nice, this is a nice feeling. And like he said, he didn't want to be rejected. And I think we can all like relate to that, especially
3: at that age. We also like a forced thing. Cause when you're a teenager and everybody is in a relationship or everybody's oh, yeah. doing whatever, you're just like, well, like I need to find
1: someone. I can't be alone. Cause like it's... Sean is never alone. I love that you said that because one of the things that I wanted to bring up like in addendum to the uh, Sean Topic is the idea that um, Corey is, like Corey and Topanga almost feel like they are forcing Sean into something to make them feel better. Like they said, they were like, I don't want him to be alone. I want him to have what we have. And it's like, well, don't get me wrong. He's telling you that he's happy with the way things are. And I think that because we've watched a TV show, we know it's like, well, do do you really feel that way? Or are you closing yourself off? Which is a completely valid conversation, but also don't force yourself, like don't force a relationship that's not supposed to happen just so you feel good or just so you have couple friends, you know, like that was another thing that in this particular episode, when Sean is like, what made you think that I would want to date this other person? It's like, yeah, that makes that's valid because you don't, they don't have anything in common. They like the moment they open the door and they have this conversation, uh, which we can get to the, the guest star who plays his date. Um, it's like, there's no connection here. There's nothing that they have in common and it's clear to everyone, but Sean and Topanga are like, I see a connection.
0: (laughs) Do you want to quickly do the roll call to shout out the,
1: Yo yo. So, um, we will, that is Maggie Lawson uh, who plays Debbie Um, and again like so we have we can tell you guys we've done this a few times where it's like um, the girl of the week is either the bitch of the week or she's like some airhead and like, you know, it's just it's very we
0: find that they don't write women well other than Topanga is is kind of the thing that we're realizing from watching the show. And um, Maggie Lawson, who I know from psych she she she's had a great career on a bunch of other things but I, I know her best from the show psych. Um, she uh, she has this really uh, interesting thing that she says to Sean, which I, I just want to quickly say. Um, she meets Sean and immediately says, you're very thin. And he's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, it's, it's good. And I just thought, wow, this is so 90. She didn't say you look healthy. You look like you're in great shape. She just said, you are skinny. So I need to know exactly what you're doing to stay skinny. And he's like, dude, I'm just eating burgers. I've been gifted with a great metabolism. And she's like, yeah, eat fat to lose fat. And I just, I thought that was just a very nineties moment to focus on someone's thinness as health.
2: And to like, start with that, like that was the start of their whole first thing she said to someone and said that, like
0: or the adverse of Sean just immediately meeting a girl and talking about her weight like what how that would come across like it, it it's it's very awkward and uncomfortable.
3: It's very telling of the decade. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, and honestly like I mean, don't get me wrong, as someone who literally is in his gym clothes just came back from the gym. Like clearly like health and like fitness is important and it's something that we've all like I don't know, we all have our personal journeys with. But I I immediately this was like a segment we have called a bra moment where it's like something that didn't really age well. And I was like, yeah, the idea of like opening the door and immediately telling someone, oh, at least you're you're thin. And it's like, okay, wait, you know, we haven't had any conversation. I have no context. I don't know that you're, I don't even know that you are a fitness instructor. All I know is you immediately has summed me up of my physical appearance and then when I like give you the answer you're like oh do you do this like are you active it's like you yourself were trying to put me into this box indoor role and he's like I eat burgers and this is not my life I will not run a 5k with you at any point <laughs> in my life. I need you to know that now and um and I also like like I thus uh, that was really weird to me but also and I, I'll stop the idea of Debbie even turning to Topanga and being like, yeah, I'm not, I don't think this is working. And they're like, well, you haven't given it a chance. It's like, no, they called it. They were both Sean and Debbie were like, this is not a connection. This can't be anything. And they're like, yeah, but you both never give it a shot. And it's like, that's because we can tell automatically this isn't something that's going to work out.
0: like, and you know what? This is a, the, I feel like they're trying to be good friends to so Sean. They're like, hey, you know, he's kind of caught up over this imaginary girl. Let's get him on a real date with the real person. Um, not kind of understanding that Sean's just not in the headspace to make that connection with with another person. One of the things that isn't really clear in this episode, is, uh, his relationship with his father and in this episode it's actually our first time that our, this character, Sean, has admitted to being afraid of becoming his father. He says something like, you know, I've seen the pain on my father's face every time a woman walks out on him because he's not good enough and like like, this is him like exposing some like deep trauma, like some fear that he has, like, Hey, no woman ever decided to stick around my dad. So I've just not been giving women the chance to walk out on me the way that my mother, the way my stepmother, the way these random women have walked out on my dad. And just like for a 90s sitcom to like get that deep into someone's trauma. I just thought fascinating. This is not conversations we hear on safe by the bell. These aren't conversations we hear on other sitcoms of the time but for him to say like dude I'm just afraid of like being alone and someone walking out on me is uh I I, and for him to feel comfortable saying that to another person for him to talk to his his guy friend about some real emotional trauma that he's going through um incredible incredible in this episode the, the way that whole thing went down
3: what was interesting to note though what I found was and I liked this so Angela her mother walked out on her right so I liked that they didn't do the stereotypical like black father walking out on them. And then like, also if it was her dad who walked out then she might have like daddy issues and then not trust men. But I just, I liked the little switch. So she had her own issues but it wasn't around her father leaving.
1: I look forward to hearing, Lillie and Anika, what you both think about the character of Angela, because I, especially like the way she's introduced, there were a few things that I thought they were like subtly hinting at that I was like, I would love to see like how you felt that she was introduced as a female character and then also as like a female character of color on a very white show.
3: Well, I, I love that she like, I'm all about BIPOC representation. However, they needed more than just one black, yeah. <laughs> just one black girl. But it's the 90s and this is the best that you can get. Um, I don't know. I I liked that she brought like a certain flavor. It wasn't just that she was black and with the straight hair. They gave her different quirky hairstyles. And I loved that. What do you want to say Divi? No, I read somewhere that she was doing her own hair for the show. Yeah, Yes, they there were not... some issues coming around that whole thing. Like there was racism on the set. Yeah. Racism. <laughs>
0: so yeah there's been a lot of discussions about uh what uh, angela kind of experienced on set from other co-stars and from the crew and and it, it, i i think what I've gathered from hearing interviews and stuff is that it's, it was a lot of microaggressions, like a lot of just microaggressions that just kind of built up that I feel like all people of color can kind of relate to. You're like, I'm going through some racism, but I can't really explain why it's racist. Like I'm feeling it. It's not apparent. No one's wearing sheets. No one's burning crosses on my yard, but there's just something like a little racist about the vibe of this. And you know, her having to do her own hair, little comments that she may be overheard people making jokes about her hair or something else on set kind of led her to feeling that way um but uh one of the things that we learned recently was that by hi- by having Angela be on the show the show actually went ahead and hired a black female writer to join the show so and in fact they were one of the few shows in the 1990s to have a black female writer um Due to a bunch of Jewish white guys just being like, "Hey, we don't know how to write for this girl," um, so like it, it is like the tokenism of her being the only one. Is something that like Ugh, I wish we could do better than this, but you know, baby steps by having you know a, a woman of color in the writer's room to actually give ideas on how she should be portrayed. You don't know want
2: to like oh. you're right we talk about writers like all the time on our podcast too and for it to be the 90s and they had a black female writer like that that's a big deal that's a huge yeah. deal and I and think for- like,
3: another big deal would be that it's an interracial couple yeah yeah, like- yes. yeah.
1: that was another that was one of the things that I wanted to say is that they do like play it really low key um like like it's just it's very casual it's very normal it's not like ever brought up and not saying that it should be or that it should be like a very special episode where (laughs) Sean dates a black chick, you know? But it is something to where they, for it to be an interracial couple, it is played as, again, not, oh, Sean is interested in this black girl. Sean has already dated this black girl. Again, it's like by opening up with them having already been dating, it kind of is like, this is so normalized that you don't even need to see, the intro you know what I mean it's like yeah Yeah. that happened and it was something Sean dates women of all colors and I thought that was interesting but I also was like it's kind of like a a double-edged sword in the fact that we also at least in the first episode don't get to know Angela ourselves we get to see Angela through Sean's eyes through her objects you know what I mean so it's like they were like we don't want to we don't want to do the work or like sidestep by actually having to introduce a black character what we'll do instead is we'll tell you she's one of the good ones she listens to classical
0: music yeah she's yeah. a black person who's not into black shit she's the classical music and van damme movies you can trust us she's one of the good ones exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, what that's kind like of the vibe i got <laughs> it felt like when um like when motown singers would release an album in the 60s and they would put white people on the on the cover art it was like hey we want you to fall in love with this character but we don't want to tell you who it is just yet and it was like I I mean if you have to play this game that's fine but it felt like something like hey he's we want this to be a serious girlfriend for Angela for for Sean this isn't just a girl of the week um so you know we might have to approach it a little differently differently a little bit more creatively but it did feel like they're like hey we want to avoid the whole black thing as part of the conversation which as as we talked about in the previous podcast, this was a a decision that everyone on the show made. Angela, Sean, the writers, the producers, all had conversations about it, and Angela was one of the most adamant voices, saying like I would really like the, it not to focus on race and for it not to be brought up about a black thing, kind of colorblind the show. Um, what do you what? Uh, how do you feel about the idea of colorblindness, and do you think they should have? kind of acknowledged um, race a little bit because throughout the entirety of the show um, going forward, it's never really brought up. And so maybe not the first episode, but it it never comes back. And so I, I would be interested to see what, what everyone thinks about that.
3: I think they should have brought it up at least a little bit because in real life, okay, yeah, like you you have your friends and stuff and race doesn't have to be a big thing, but they, there are instances where race is a thing it could be like it could be like a simple mixed group like two black people and like one non-black person and then it's like the two black people are speaking of an experience that only they have experienced that it could have been something as simple as that
0: I think, I just want to point out, I, I, I'm sorry, you were making that point, and I know I the Susie Carmichael on your shirt, and I couldn't help yeah. but think, like, what a great example of, like, acknowledging race without making it about, like, a race issue. Like, she was able to celebrate Kwanzaa, and she was able to, like, have these moments where it's like, hey, my culture and my, like, background are really important to me, but it's not the entirety of the show or who I am or my relationship yeah. with these characters. And that's, we get more from that cartoon character than we get from Angela, so your shirt just...
2: It's true. That. Um, Also, I was going to say, like, even in the later seasons, like when they get older, like when you go out into the world in the 90s, if you are an interracial couple, you're going to honestly, even now, if I go to certain spaces, and like a couple years ago, I was, I was dating a white boy, they're going to stare at me. Like because I am the only brown person in the entire space. So in the nineties, I'm sure it was much worse, especially for black for a black person dating a white person. I I think especially when they got older, they could have they, they could have talked about it a little because I'm sure it impacted interracial couples
3: deeply. Also, also the difference would be that the black girl, white boy. You yes. see a lot of black boy, white mm-hmm. girl.
0: Yes. yes.
1: Yeah, and so, like, I, I love that you guys said that because, yeah, when I was watching this, I I think that as as time goes by, we get better at it. The 90s was trying to do this whole we don't see race situation and you're like, okay, but, like, race exists. And if you, like, again, by going through all of her stuff and not having one thing, like, it's, it's a little TV magic to be like, okay, well, we didn't want to have, like, I don't know, uh, pink lotion in the back you know like something to where it's like they could easily identify it. it's like well by process of elimination uh there was a hot comb and brettes or what you know whatever yeah there's
0: um, <laughs> there's cocoa butter in the purse barrettes? we know who it belongs to <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah afro like, pick yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like and that, maybe that was like the best course of action you know like they didn't have like Malcolm X's uh, manuscript and some Kente cloth in the back. Like we didn't need everything because the 90s would have went there. But um, I think that it it does say something that all of her belongings are like, uh, not gender, but racially neutral. And, you know, like that's where I was like, okay, you can acknowledge it. It can be something to where um, it doesn't have to be necessarily stereotypically black but you can say something like i think tv shows do it well where it's like you can even make fun of yourself it's like did you not think it was her because she was black and it's like oh wait no that, i'm not saying that but like you know something that says hey let's not also pretend that she isn't because if we're trying to get to know her part of her experience is being a black female honestly the
2: stuff in her purse like all, it, it it honestly, it bothered me a lot. Because <laughs> I don't even think it was racional, racially neutral. I think it was like, they were trying to be like, kind of portray her and like the pretty soft white girl who listens yes. to classical music. And because that's what everybody loved at the time. Some, I mean, it could be argued even now. And I think they did that on purpose because they wanted to be like, oh, this isn't like, what we know to be a black girl they wanted. they wanted to make her that like, i like kind of like a soft pretty white girl that really, it bothered me a lot to be
3: honest basically they wanted a black girl but without making her black
0: yeah like, she black yeah. But she
3: not really black
0: <laughs> <laughs> and honestly like angela having to exist as a black person in a white space without any um any anything of her own to to bring to the mix to to be celebrated to you know be included made me as a person who went to predominantly white schools with predominantly white classes and predominantly white friends made me feel like, oh, in order for me to exist in this space, I need to like the music that you like, I need to like the movies that you guys like, I need to, you know, hide all of the things that are culturally different about myself so that I can blend into the space, which is what they do to Angela throughout the entirety of the show and it's so frustrating.
1: So what's great, what you just made me realize while you were talking is the idea of like, we are four people of color right now talking about a very white show and it's come up. It's come up to be like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, like we've already been like, there's this like thing where we're all talking about. And so when you're in a space, like you, you bring that with you and you're right, I don't know about everyone else, but as four individuals who grew up in the nineties, I would imagine we were in predominantly white spaces where you... I think what TC was saying is like, it's perpetuated the idea of, oh, as a black person, in order to be considered one of the good ones, you have to take on some interests that maybe you wouldn't immediately be exposed to. In order to be worthy of dating a white man, even a white man with a broken past and a broken family and all this other stuff, you have to be the exceptional one. And again, I don't necessarily think that that's what they were trying to say Overtly, but it is kind of like what is what is being said. Because again, it's not like she had any modern taste, or it was something that like this is ninety seven. It could have been like oh a TLC and like that. That's the, yeah. That where's was, the
0: Fuji's was, album? Where's like Tupac? Like I listen to some music that a black girl in ninety seven would actually be listening to. I, I I mean classical music is one of those things that are like I know it's like timeless. But to me, it's also very old and very white. And maybe it was just like, hey, we can't afford to like pay for like modern music. Maybe that was just a, a budgeting issue of the show. But it, it was very annoying that there wasn't some like bops in her in her purse in, on, on the CD.
3: I always say representation matters. And like they only got part of the way there. Like if you're going to mm-hmm. do something, com- do it to completion. Like, to I also... Stop- We saw her, like that her skin was darker, but like that's pretty much where the representation ended.
1: I was you know, just about to say. Uh, you said like her skin was darker. I was going to say one of the things that I think they do right is it is a dark skinned hmm. brown girl. Very often in the '90s, if we're getting a black chick, we are talking high yellow. We are talking um, Bianca Lawson. Like we want someone who it's like she's black, but like you also know there's some there's something in there that we could connect to, and. <laughs> I thought that that was really good, that with Angela, not only do we get a character who's, like you said, she's wearing her hair the way that she would wear her hair. She is, she's herself, and she's even like, even the way she delivers her lines, it's not like proper, and she's not trying to be a White Valley girl. But they've just happened to write that character to be almost racially neutral, but the way that it's acted is someone who is of color.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, Anika, you brought up something earlier that I didn't get a chance to touch on, but I just wanted to bring up how significant um, it is, especially within our culture, um, the idea of a black woman with a white man versus a a white woman with a black man. So for our white listeners who are just like, don't understand the subtle context of this, you know, historically through our culture. The whole idea has been, you know, protect our, our our white women from these scary black men. Right. And so due to that, white women became a fetish or black men became a fetish because they were deemed taboo and off limits. Right. So society seems to have this like almost more comfortable understanding of why those two people would get together. Whereas when a black woman is genuinely interested in a white man, a lot of the conversations that tend to happen again, amongst the culture is, you know, always bringing up this imagery of the slave owner and the slave and the slave, like being forced into sexual relationships with the slave owner and just bringing up all this imagery um, and this history that isn't quite there with black men and white women. So there is like a different A social dynamic, especially amongst black circles when a black woman is with a white man. And so for these two to especially not bring up race even once feels like you said inauthentic to because even black people would be like, hold on, sis, like what's going on, girl? (laughs) Like it wouldn't it wouldn't be this thing that would just be uh, looked aside. And so I I think that's kind of what we're touching on. It's not the fact that they didn't get into like racial suffering because we don't necessarily need to see that. Um, but to pretend as if like, hey, everyone's colorblind, no one sees anything, feels really inauthentic as well. So
3: also, does she not have any black friends? <laughs> I was just about to say
0: that. not okay. a single one.
1: This is Philadelphia in the nineties. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but they all all the black people had moved to uh Bel at that point in time. So <laughs> um,
0: uh, yeah,
1: it is so like yeah. We we often talk about how. For Philadelphia, this is the whitest portrayal of Philadelphia ever, but also like, you know, maybe certain sections of
0: the, uh... Public- oh, I'm sure it's redlined just like everywhere else. Like, I'm sure th- that she just made it into a school district that she is the exception. Like, I'm, I'm sure.
1: So let's really really quickly I wanted to talk on what you what you brought up which was the history of interracial relationships in this country specifically and we're going to do a little quick history lesson which is to say that as always it has to deal with power and politics and and patriarchy to be honest because i say this quite often the greatest foe to a white man is a black woman Mm -hmm. because the power dynamics black women and women of color don't have the same rules as white women or black men and therefore when you're dealing with a white man and a black man there is an obvious line that the white man can be like you you we know how things go here we're friends but let's not pretend like there isn't some power dynamic here. Again, a, a white man and a white woman, there are roles that you're supposed to play. But with a black man and a white woman, you still get to keep the patriarchy. You still have a, 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 a male figure Uh, who's dominant, and a a female figure who is subservient. But with a white man and a Black woman, well, then that calls everything into question, because Black women are strong, and they are, um, they don't take anyone's shit. And like, how can you be in a relationship as a white man, and how can you control your woman if your woman is a Black woman, you know what I mean? And then if you have a Black woman who is known to be strong and known to support her man, well, how can you support a White man who is the figure of uh, capitalism and the patriarchy and all this other stuff? So it's always easier for our society to look at and promote a Black man and a White woman and see that as a successful pairing of interracial relationships because it doesn't call into question the thing that we all no, but aren't talking about when it comes to all the other dynamics
0: totally wow yeah power dynamics throughout <sighs>
1: read bell hooks ain't i a woman okay i'm done <laughs> bell hooks amazing
3: amazing right,
0: guys what did i tell you the conversation that is flowing the juices are flowing we couldn't we couldn't edit this down we had to split it up so yes we're splitting this up into two different podcasts you can listen to the second part of this conversation right now it's immediately released just go ahead and go on to it i'm gonna go ahead and wrap things up for this episode um, a little differently than usual but y- you get what's going on here um you can find debbie and anika at the marvelous marvels podcasts you can find marvelous Marvels Podcast where podcasts are typically found um you can also find them on their social media you can find us at social media at Meets World, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. We we, we out there. We're doing it. Um, if you guys have questions or comments, you can email us at brommeatsworld at gmail.com. And if you feel so inclined to leave us a comment or a rating, that would really help us out a lot as well. Um, yeah, we're going to finish up this conversation and it's going to be dope and you guys can listen to it right now. That's your homework. Dream, try and listen to the second half of this conversation right now. Later, bros.
3: When this phone meets world.